This is the Bubba Cowan Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Hi there, folks. John Shannon here. Bob still recuperating, getting better every day, which is a great sign. Today, we spent some time with four NHLers. If you recall, last week we were at the NHL Alumni Golf Tournament. Well, we were able to get a few more guys that we talked to that first day. Today, we talked to Christopher Stieg, Rich Sutter, Brad May, and Mike Gartner. The Gartner interview is rather interesting because rather than talking about his career as much, we, we deal, in fact, with Mike's role at the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, where he is the chairman of the selection committee. Uh, and obviously, it's a difficult job to have on a daily basis, uh, on a yearly basis, uh, when you get in trouble for putting certain people into the Hall of Fame and then certain people don't get in the Hall of Fame. And Mike, I think, does a pretty good job of explaining the process. You may not agree with it, and I'm not sure I do, uh, but uh, Mike Gardner's eloquent in his defense of what the process is and how the process works. So that's the show today. Four really, really interesting players from the NHL Alumni Golf Tournament last week at Coppinwood Golf Course. Christopher Stieg, Rich Sutter, Brad May, and Mike Gartner. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Joined now by Christopher Stieg, NHL alumni. Different being an alumni than being a player? It's a lot different. It's a lot different. You either lose weight or gain weight. I've lost it. And then, uh, yeah, it's... You should actually get in a bit. How you, you explain to some of your... Your, your old teammates how to do that i know i was looking at seabrook the other day i was a little worried so <laughs> if, if he ever needs help well but just uh what this organization is a guy who's playing in the league as long as you did what what the alumni means to you and and its purpose well I, first off just to have a community and an association with guys who've been through a lot of what you've been through is very special and then just guys to share your memories with come to events like this laugh with and then also business opportunities there's a lot of things outside of hockey especially when you're done that you're not really prepared for this organization's doing a lot of that trying to help guys a either prepare or get opportunities outside of the game so just again having that networking networking opportunity here and trying to find you know new ways to stay busy in your your second life is very important and this is an important uh, organization to do it before we talk about your career um what, what's keeping you busy these days so i got i'm very busy i actually have an app that uh you know it's an app that streamlines video sharing for youth athletes and we actually have professionals using it now uh and then i have a youth hockey league we got 50 teams all across ontario in the u.s uh, and also my hockey academy for U70, U9 players. So that keeps me extremely busy. Your, your passion for the game has, uh, has yeah. not changed, really. No, it, it hasn't. And I think that's where you find uh, the excitement. I know when you retire, you're always kind of searching for that that juice or that boost that you get from hockey. And, hockey, and you know, youth hockey, being around with my kids, watching them play and coaching teams is a – is another way to get that you know, excitement and that rush again. Now you're you're not an Ontario boy. You're in Alberta. Yeah, Alberta. But uh, you live up here in Alberta. I'm here now. I got a house still back home in Alberta, Lethbridge again. It's about 40 minutes north of the Montana border. Um, but my wife's from Oshawa, and we settled here in 2014. So your career, you know, as as I off the top of my head, obviously with the Blackhawks. The Flames, mm -hmm. a bit short time here in Toronto. Short, yeah. Well, can you compare the three? Well, the the pressure of playing in each of them, and them, and and living in the bubble. 
Um, Chicago was incredible, especially in the early years, 2007 to 2010. I mean, what a run that was to, to come to the rink in 2007 with 5,000 people and leave it with the Stanley Cup and, you know, everyone, 2 million people at the parade. I mean, it was the, the craziest day. The 2010 parade, there's nothing that's ever, I mean, I was part of 15, but nothing compares to that 2010 parade. And then coming to Toronto, I felt like that prepared me. Obviously, I didn't play extremely well. I thought I played okay. But, uh, you know, the team wasn't doing good and then getting moved on pretty shortly after that and then finding my way back in Calgary. I think all that helped me get prepared for Calgary to play at home and, and play with the Canadian market and the pressure. You know, you were drafted by Boston, correct? Boston, yeah. yeah and so the thing that, that stands out to me is that, you know, you, your maturity really came to the fore, I say this respectfully, with your time in Calgary. Yeah. Where you you knew your role and understood your role then there are probably times early in your career where you wondered why aren't you, why aren't i on a bigger line why yeah. aren't i playing so I, how how do you how do you how does that happen as you get older well, you got to look inside and figure out how you're going to stay in the league and when you're younger and you're producing and then you know i was producing at a pretty good clip and then all of a sudden you go through you know i had two hip surgeries two groin surgeries and an acl surgery all within about four years and then you start to see you're a bit of a shell of what you once were, and you still think you can produce at that level if you're given the opportunity, and you can't. So then you start to have to look internally and see what can I do to stay in the league, and what way is it going to go? Was I going to be specialized in one spot where when I was younger, I was really utilized all over the line, a PK, PP, first to third line, where I really had to find a, a real niche in the game. And yeah, I had to look internal and, and realize what I could do. And again, talking with Bellinson and, and Tree, they were very up front i think about with my role what they needed you know third line guy that can go out and play power play and that's pretty much it uh, and i think that's where guys especially in their later years they get caught in the issue that they still think they can do what they can at their younger years but the coaches aren't telling you what exactly what you need they're not specific enough in their instruction and that's uh that's a piece that gully and treated very well with me but that, but your role on that club and i was around that club a little bit but your role was almost as valuable off the ice and mm -hmm. in the room than it was on the ice. Is that fair? Well, that was that was a piece of it. They wanted to bring a guy in there that, you know, they thought, I think, they were a little quiet in the room. And not to say that I'm a guy that's going around just screaming all the time, but someone that would talk in, in important situations, someone that would speak their mind, ask coaches the questions that some guys maybe were scared to ask. And then, again, just keep guys light when moments, you know, were, were, were tough. And, I remember before we went on the 10 game winning streak to get us into the playoffs, you know, moments are tough. And those are times when you need guys in the room, the Giordano's, uh, the Troy Browers and guys like myself that can, you know, calm the guys down, make them understand there's still an opportunity here. And it was a very big piece that I, I thought uh, I was, I was able to be a part of. And again, back to tree and gully, it's what they exactly asked for me. And that's what we tried to give. Before actually, I want to talk about Brad because obviously Brad's got a new job and it's a, pretty big one and a lot yeah. of people are, are fascinated by it but your life after hockey included a a brief stint in broadcasting yeah did you like it i like broadcasting and um obviously with the pandemic and then um myself actually uh my hockey like coaching and my app and all that it just it, it didn't work out in the sense of timing but i love broadcasting i thought it was something that i was you know enjoying being around the game talking to guys talking about you know, hockey, what do they like, what do they don't like. So it was it was a very fun time. I may go back into it one day. I've been to be I've been asked to be a part of a few podcasts and stuff like that with some ex players. But again, at this moment in my life it's just so busy with the the three operations that I got going. But it, it, it's something I could pretty much see myself. It, back it, 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 it is a little more work than people realize, you, right? Yeah, well that's the thing, you can't cheat it. Right. So there's 10 games at night. You got to somewhat understand all 10 games. I used to just like be like, ah, oh, they just watch the highlights. Or you got to, you got to understand the details of the game. You got to understand who's going, who's on what line, who's on what power play. You got to be very, uh, you got to understand the game really well. And you got to understand every game of the night. And if you don't, the fans will know it. So you, let's, let's touch on Brad. You know, he, he's moved from Calgary to Toronto. Canadian city for Canadian city, but let's face it, Toronto is a different animal, isn't it? Yeah, it's a whole other market. It is. And, you know, we talk about Calgary when I was there. The media was very positive regarding the situation, I would say. And the, Tor the Toronto media could go very negative very fast. That's not to say everyone's negative. It's just 
a different market. It's harder. The expectations are higher. And I think that's why I can turn again. Calgary, I think, is a mid-level Canadian market when it comes to media, just because of the scrutiny that you can get from that side. But here, every situation is definitely magnified. I mean, I felt it when I was playing for the Leafs and with social media and with the way the world is, it's only gotten worse and worse <laughs> of that. So podcasting, whatever it may be. So uh, the expectations are high. He has to be ready for it. I believe Brad is. He's again, he's a guy that's not only great with hockey, but he's got a great business acumen. He understands what he needs to do and he, what he needs to hire. And I think he, uh, I already like what he's done. Do you, do you get a sense of in, in players he's brought in? I mean, I, I think of Max and, and, and Bertuzzi coming here. Uh, that he's changing the personality to reflect the way he likes the game. Well, that's what you need to do. You got to put your imprint on the team a little bit. And Brad's always been a guy that really believes in the top, not so much the Berkey, like the top six, bottom six hard, but there should be some sort of um, understanding of what your roles are on each line. And what he's done is he has brought in certain guys that understands what their roles are, but they are also very versatile guys. And you can't, like, you have to have specific players, but you also have guys that need to play left wing sometimes, right wing sometimes, center. Max can do that. Bertuzzi can go over and back. Some players can only play one position, but he's brought in guys that are mean. They'll go to the net. They'll do certain things uh, on the ice that uh, maybe the other team doesn't like all the time, but they are versatile in their positions they can play. And I think that's a bit of the identity Brad likes, and I, I really like what he did too. Actually, you, you bring something up because it, it... – in the ever-changing game, um, versatility really becomes such a huge element that you can bring. It's huge. Um, again, talking about now you've, you, you played center. I played. I, so that's what when I was in my younger years, we talked about that for for Quenville. I remember in one Stanley Cup run in 2010, I played left wing and center, left, right, and center. And it was very important for me, Sharp, and um, uh, it was me, Sharp, and Taze, but mainly me and Sharp to kind of go up and down the lineup and through the lineup in order to help Q get matchups and do things he wants. And if you start to look at the Golden Knights and all these teams, you have to have specialized players that are very specialized at their position and what they do. But you also have to have guys that if there's that one of those specialized players goes down, mm -hmm. you need him to be able to pop into that position and fill it as best as he can where maybe another specialized player couldn't. So versatility is extremely important. Um, again, you can't have everything of one thing. you got to have a good mixture and concoction to make a great hockey team. But that player is very important. I'm curious. Um, at 2010, I, so I've been to I've been to 34 Stanley Cup finals. I never played the game, can't skate. I'm very versatile. Uh, but uh, when that Stanley Cup comes out of the Zamboni entrance, oh god. So 2010. Yeah. You know what I heard in my my head? What's that? Bob Cole. So I remember growing up as a young kid, and all I would think of is, and there it is. The Stanley, Stanley Cup. <laughs> so I remember when he was walking out and all I thought in my head was, and there it is, the Stanley Cup. And it was, uh, you know, I still get chills about it, thinking about that moment it coming out and, uh, you know, Kaner passing it to me uh, for the first time. It's, uh, it was magical. And then to go back in 15 to get a second chance. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, you know, once the cup finally showed up, remember how long it took? Yeah, to... they, we're waiting forever. I, I still don't really understand. Well, the there were floods in the city. Yeah, it was a ton of rain and, and those issues. And yeah. so Mr. Bettman's changed the rules of when the cup has to, they tried to use to bring it, the cup in, in at, no, they used to bring the cup to the arena in the second intermission. Oh, okay. So after that day, the commissioner mandated the cup has to be in the building at five o'clock. Yeah, early. <laughs> well, that, that makes sense because I do remember it was a, like a heavy torrential downpour oh. early in the day. I remember having to do a 40-minute fill. The cup is almost here. Yeah. Well, I remember we're all standing out there like, what's going on? That's here? okay. You yeah. were in Chicago. Yeah, and, we were, and the fans were going sure. nuts. It ended up working out. I don't think, again, it was such a – you're wrapped up in the moment. You're not really – yeah. You don't really care. You just won. You're, yeah. And you're seeing your buddies and everyone. Especially we did it in Chicago. So you saw the, the pure emotion and elation of the fans. That was, uh, that, actually, that was the special part about winning that one. Because mm -hmm. the first one was in Philadelphia. No, and nobody knew that Patrick had scored any. No, that was that was nuts. Yeah, I remember when I threw my gloves off. I'm like, that thing better be in the net. <laughs> and I, was still, I remember said that. I was like, that ain't in the net. We're screwed. <laughs> so, Chris, thanks for this. Yeah. Pleasure. Pleasure. Good seeing you. Good seeing you, too. Hopefully all's well. All right. Back to try to golf. Okay. We're at the NHL Alumni Golf Tournament just outside of Toronto, Coppin with a golf course. Joined now by 
one of the six Sutter boys. And actually, I, I, I want to stand corrected. One of the seven Sutter boys, but six played in the NHL. And I thought Gary was better than you, Rich. I thought it probably is. Richie Sutter's with us. And uh, how are you, old man? Oh, God. So good to see you. Good to see you, too. Rich and I did a few years at Sportsnet together on uh, on the panel discussing the, uh, the the pros and cons of particularly the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. You know, it was tough on you because Ronnie was working for them at the time. So that was a little more difficult for you. Yeah, but that was okay. You know, um, we all know how to separate uh, things and uh, do our jobs and respect them. How was, uh, speaking of uh, brothers, how's Daryl? Great. Just had coffee with uh, him and him and his wife Wanda on the, on the deck at the ranch house on Saturday morning. Yeah. He's doing great. Um, he wants to coach, but um, it's got to be the right thing for him. And, um you know, he's, uh, I think he's he's in a good place at this moment, but um, I think probably about October 1st, he might get a little anxious. That, that, I think that's uh, that's in the in the family DNA when it comes to halfway through training camp, right? Yeah, and and, uh, and that's very true. That's kind of how we are, all are, and that's how I am feeling right now, John. You know, I'm I'm looking actively for, for an opportunity in the NHL club, and I know what I can offer, and um I just hope something's out there before September. What uh, when when you say you you want to offer stuff? What are, what are we talking about? You want to scout? You, where where do you where's your strength? You know what? Uh, I had the unique opportunity to build help be one of the guys that built the Minnesota Wild franchise, as you know, and it taught me so much about the uh, you know the business side and the hockey side, and and it and and I still think there's a there's a direct intertwinement with that and. Uh, and then the opportunity to to go and work with a couple of our organizations, um, just knowing the league, knowing players, knowing people. I had a son and nephews that have been through this uh, rigmarole and how this world works with the NHL and how these players are nowadays. Uh, I really believe that my knowledge, my experience, and willingness not to be afraid to, to accept a challenge um, can really benefit a club and hope someone out there really will give me that opportunity. Where did the love of the game come from not just for you but but i you know i see your brothers i see your nephews playing multiple layers of professional hockey where where did that love come from you know i think we we've just have always felt very fortunate john along the way that um farming and working hard is in our blood and if you really love something in ranching uh it's really not work you know, um, and it's just like this game, this game has given us so much back to our families and we were so fortunate to be where we all are today because of this game uh, and what we're able to help with our, ch- our own kids and, and their babies today. But it, it's just, it's, we love, we love the challenge. We love people. We love working with people. And for me personally, I still love listening and learning from younger people. I feel I'm in a stage in my life where I'm healthy. I feel great. Uh, and I want these years to be the best years of your life. And, and, and it's crystal clear to me that um, I want I want to enjoy that challenge. And, and I really feel that there's something out there. Um, I'm hoping someone will find me. With Rich Sutter at the NHL Alumni Golf Tournament. Um, give us an update. We've talked about Daryl already. Brian is where? Is he ranching too? Brian's the only human being in the world that still believes there's 30 hours in a day. Um <laughs> that tends to think that you can run a, a whole ranch and and do three people's jobs within the 28 hours of the day and sleep the other two um that's what he's still trying to do and doing well uh brother gary's back home in viking moved back home and working on the golf course at home and enjoying it uh we think he's in a good place which is important to us as a, as a younger brother um brent brent uh is still ranching uh him and his wife Connie have done a tremendous job in Red Deer with the with the Rebels Hockey Club. Absolutely. Well, and let's face it, Merrick's running the show. Well, yeah, yeah, Merrick's running. Yeah, the show. yeah, I mean, Brent's yeah. not running. Brent's there, but Merrick's running. The I show. think sometimes Brent just tells him yes or no, you know. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, there's another guy. Merrick is Merrick is a, a wealth of experience working with Hockey Canada with events and stuff, and engaged with that hockey club at home. And uh, I think Merrick Merrick is ready for a new challenge, and he's a very bright. Uh, guy that's willing to work really knows the business side of the game and so that's what brent's doing uh brandon is back home uh feeling thank god hopefully he got through the uh, long hauler right. thing he's back to training he would love an opportunity 
he knows where he's at today. He's a fit human being, and he, he's going to give it a push here in the next month or so to see if he can come back and play. What about can, Dog, where's Dog and all this? Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne's at home uh, enjoying retirement um, and uh, enjoying so, his family. So, so when you say enjoy retirement for a Sutter, that means you only work 20 hours a day? Well, uh, we really are kind of wondering what exactly he's doing, <laughs> the truth, but uh, no, it's been good. And then, and Ronnie, Ronnie's at home right now looking for an opportunity. He's got a really unique thing going with, uh, with, with, a, with a medical thing with, uh, uh, that he's presented with the company to, to all the NHL teams and the American League teams and the East Coast League teams right. to help with rehab and therapy with players. Uh, he's really doing well with it. I'm really happy for him. And that's kind of where we're at today. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I tell you what, it feels like forever ago that you and Ronnie went to Flyers camp. You remember that, John? Well, uh, my dad told me about it. Yeah. So I, it, I, was, it, I was just a kid. It feels like yesterday, honestly, 18, 19, 19, 20 in there, um, which was just back in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago. It's great to go back. Uh, Brad Marcy, alumni group and the Flyers do a great job with 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 their players and, and the guys that that uh, want to come back and be around and uh, it's it's so much fun to go back there. Wait, what 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 do you know now that you didn't know as a teenager getting to the National Hockey League that that would have would have helped you? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know because things have changed so much, John. Um, the biggest thing is the biggest well, conditioning was never a problem for a Sutter. No, it wasn't. Um, the biggest thing is, uh, the, the full commitment to buy and to be loyal to your group. Um, to me is the biggest thing that, that I think is so important. And I think it, it makes a big difference between teams that want to contend and teams that really do contend. Um, and I think the will as a group, um, you bring it all to the table and it gives you a, a better opportunity. And, uh, I think that's lacking at times in today's game. I think that's rather obvious, but the money is crazy right now. So I don't know. It's, I, I mean, we never played for the money. Mm-hmm. I think you look at a lot of the guys that are here today. Money was beautiful, but <laughs> it, it, it didn't help you be motivated. Um, th- that wasn't the motivation. But I, so it, that's a great point about the alumni. What does this group mean to you? I found out in the last year too how much it really does mean. Explain. Um, um very heartfelt um i do get choked up a little bit i'll be honest with you because because i see the work that these guys have done and 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 my willingness to i want to help in any way i can uh to bring things forward ideas thoughts to the group that helps uh make all of our lives and our loved ones lives better um and they've been such a wonderful group to work with i, I honestly um from Glenn right on down the line, what has gone on here in the last few years has been unimaginable years ago. Um, the, the, the opportunities that they presented for all of us, um, for all of our well-beings and, and our lives, uh, has been tremendous. Um, and to do anything, any way to help, uh, as an alumni, I would urge anyone to encourage them to get engaged and get involved. I, I actually, so you 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 know still know guys that play in the league? Yes. Um, you know, you, when when you are a player, you probably never think you're never going to play the game. You always you're kind of invulnerable. You're Superman, and then so you come to the, you come to the realization there is life after hockey. I think the biggest key that we're trying to lean on here right now at the alumni group is is make the players that are actually playing the game, and that's why we're trying to build our relationships directly with the PA. Is that there are guys leaving every year, and they need to know that there there's another world out here. And you can be a part of this group that's actually pretty cool, too. Um, so don't get stuck in the mud of what you're always doing there, that we're all transitioning lives mm-hmm. in our lives. And, and to know that we're here and, and, and when you're ready to come out, when it's done uh, on that side, there's another side that's, you know, on the other side of the fence is almost just as green. So, okay. Three quick questions. When I talk about your career, what's the first thing that pops up as, as an NHLer? Uh, grateful yeah. um, to know uh, how much uh, in our in our era, the guys here today, how much we help change the game. Um, the money these guys are making nowadays. Uh, let's 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 be honest. They wouldn't be making it if it wasn't for us at 
force the issue on some things and you know what that's all about and, yep. what, and what that entails but to me that's the biggest thing is uh, you would wish that some of those guys would, would recognize that more um, there are kids out there that ones that had dads or uncles or relatives that played get it mm. the, the Felinos of the world those type of guys um, get it mm. um, it'd be nice to have a lot more understand it favorite coach pardon me favorite coach honestly um you can't say all of them. No, uh, my brother Daryl. Really, huh? Um, hard, honest, um, and tough. But the bottom line is, you know, if you if you did the right things and you bought into structure and the systems, you, you played and you mm -hmm. gave yourself a, your your chance, the team to win. And um, the other guys were all just as good too. But uh, I enjoyed playing for Daryl. Favorite arena? Two. Okay. Chicago Stadium. That uh, seems and to be Boston the United. It's funny. It's all the old because, ones, right? Because on Saturday, on Saturday afternoons in Boston, there was oh. nowhere to hide, and I loved it. <laughs> it was too small. I loved it. I loved that part of the game. And in Chicago Stadium Sunday nights, there was nowhere to hide either. And 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 you could always tell when the bell struck five minutes and three minutes who wanted to play out of the rink on every game, who had their laces tied up and were ready to go, and had their straps tied down. Okay, teams. I lied. One more question. Favorite broadcast partner. John Chandler. Oh, yeah, good answer. Um, <laughs> love the time with you. Um, I just wish you would have had more of it, John. Yeah, the truth. Yeah, well, you never know. Hey, we're still young at heart, man. Good Western guy here. <laughs> Richie Sutter, NHL okay. alumni golf tournament. Welcome back to the Bob McCown podcast. Obviously, Bobcat's still on the IR. Joined now by Hockey Hall of Famer, 700 Gold Club, Mike Gartner. Welcome. Thanks, John. So with with your role for years at the Players Association, uh, you're also uh, the chairman of the Selection Committee of the Hockey Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about that later because that's the toughest job in the world. <laughs> um, what's this? What's the NHL alumni mean to you? You know, it's something that um, that has evolved over the course of time. And I think that it is, uh, you know, we've had different executive directors of the Alumni Association. I think Glenn Healy in particular um, has taken some of the good work of the earlier directors and started to really put some meat onto the bone. So what it does is it gives you the ability to stay in touch um, with guys like you that like me that have played the game and are around. Uh, you're able to help in different areas. I know the, the Alumni Association helps with uh, supplemental gifting that we set up as when I was with the Players Association to put funds uh, together for guys like Gordy Howe and Ted Lindsay that were making twenty thousand dollars a year. Hard to imagine. Hard to imagine um, in in pension, and it was able to double and triple their pensions, uh, which were terrible at the time. And so the players now have different pensions. So there's that group of players that's kind of catching up. So that's a big part of what I see the uh, the benefit of the alumni association is um but also really in many ways just getting guys together and um allowing guys to still feel like they're part of what they call hockey greatest family well we 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 remind actually i, I still remember talking to my some of my friends that were players at the time and i said you know when i'm 35 i'm going to make this amount of money and i'm going to keep making that amount of money until i retire if not more mm -hmm. what are what are you going to make yeah Exactly. And they say, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, what's your what's your income life after hockey? When when do you when in your career, when did you start thinking that I can't play forever? About halfway, actually. You know, I really did. And um, I started realizing, I mean, this is a young man's game. I'm, you know, when you're 30 years old, you feel like you're old playing hockey. <laughs> and I started playing when I was 18 years old. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I have to really think through this. And and I always looked at it like I, I tried to save my money and my wife and I were very frugal and we looked at it like we're not going to live anywhere past what we think we can live at when we're finished playing hockey and the big paycheck stops coming in um, thank goodness I caught a little bit of the bigger paychecks as the end of my career came along but we started a business halfway through my career and we started a business with a former teammate of mine Wes Jarvis who I played with in Washington and we started a hockey arena business that we still run 28 years later and so the, the quick answer to your question, John, is that I, I started thinking about it uh, early. Were you an anomaly or were you the norm? 
Well, I think everybody was starting to think about it. I'm not the anomaly in that I was thinking about it. I was maybe a little more of the anomaly that I actually did something about it right. and uh, put things into place so that when we were finished playing, and I say we because my wife was a huge part of it. We're celebrating our 42nd wedding anniversary. Wow, congratulations. Thank you very much. And um, it, it is part of, it's part of, uh, of what we had to do as a, as a couple and as a family and, and try to figure it out from that perspective. But it, it, we focused on it. The other thing, uh, Mike, is that it really appears that the three entities, the Players Association, the League, and now the alumni, they seem to be in closer version of lockstep. They seem to be working much closer than ever before. And, and that has to be a positive for retired players. It has to be a positive for retired players. And, and it is because um, they do have to work in lockstep because there was a time where it was a, it was a contentious relationship. What the contentious relationship between the players association and the, and the NHL mm. spilled over into the alumni association that needed funding from both. And you're trying to make one side happy and the other side's not when you make that side happy. And so I think, uh, I think it's gotten to a better place where both the, the two major parties really, which is the NHL and the NHLPA are appear to be fully on board in supporting the alumni, which I, I think is a very positive thing for the alumni. Uh, but then it is a very positive thing for the players. So your, uh, your career, obviously Washington, Minnesota, Toronto, the Rangers. Um, do you have a favorite spot? You know, I, I, I don't have a favorite spot. I mean, I played the longest in Washington. Uh, I have great memories from there. Two of my older kids were born in Maryland. Uh, they retired my jersey there. So yeah. it's always a real positive right. thing. I, I feel really good that they were able to finally break through and win the Stanley Cup. Um, the Rangers were such a quality organization. I love playing for the New York Rangers. Um, and then playing for my hometown, Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. So it was great. And, and we had good teams at that time. And we were... You had a good playoff run in all, everywhere, didn't you? We did. We had a good... I never got to the, to, no, but, to the end of it, but we did have some good playoff runs, yes. And um, it's fun to be deep in the playoffs. So I think we all, as, as Leaf fans, would love to see that happen yeah. sometime. Where do, do you still have the passion for the game? I mean, you, I know you talked about your business, but, you know, I, I'm one of those guys, I, I still love being around the game, being going to the arena, never played it. So I don't have to worry about that part and don't have to worry about the medical issues. <laughs> um, but do you still have passion for the game? So I still play. And, and so I, I like watching the NHL, I like watching a good hockey game. If I'm watching a game and it's not a very, very good game, I'll just turn it off. Uh, so I don't have that kind of passion for it, but I do like, I, you know, I follow the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I follow the Rangers when they're going, I follow the, the, the Capitals, but not that closely. Uh, but I still, I'm, I was a participant. I loved playing the game and I still play once or twice a week. I'm 63 years old and I still really enjoy playing. And, you know, we still are probably more competitive than we should be at 63 <laughs> years old, but it does happen. Uh, but I, I do, I do like playing. I like watching my grandkids play. I like playing the game. I joked with you before we started that you have the most thankless job in the game right now. And the only reason I know this is because you replaced my one of my great friends, John Davidson, as the chairman of the selection committee of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, and I know you can't divulge a lot of stuff. You, you sign an NDA to talk about or what you can't talk about. But um, how how is, do you have any frustration with that? Do you have any feeling of... of what people do people know enough about the hall of fame selection committee before they start criticizing probably not for sure um but i would just take a little different approach and it is it's, it's a challenging position but i love it i mean it is a it is a great position to be in we all look at it there's 18 members on the hall of fame selection committee i'm the chairman i'm a voting member mm -hmm. as the as the chairman and um it's an honor to be in that position. And of course it's, it comes with a lot of challenges because everybody second guesses you all the time. And most of the time, it's not so much who you put in the hall of fame, it's who you didn't put in the hall right. of fame. Uh, but we've always taken the approach that if you're a hall of famer, you will be a hall of famer. You, it might not be when everybody wants that person to go in, but, uh, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuances to it because there are new members that come in every year. Uh, you serve a three-year term. You can serve up to, 15 years total 
but there's there's a there's a turnover and so sometimes there's a little different flavor on who these members are bringing forward because you have to be brought forward for consideration by a member mm -hmm. and so everybody's eligible if you haven't played for three years you're you're, you're eligible if you've played in the nhl then you, you're, you're, you're eligible but not necessarily nominated correct exactly <laughs> it's un unlike baseball where, where unlike baseball right. very much unlike baseball baseball is a very public thing there's a whole bunch of people that vote on it and and everything else hockey uh has a different approach there are 18 members you have to be brought forward by any one of those members and no one knows who brings them, them forward and i'm certainly not going to say anything now but it's it's actually a very very good process um it's a transparent process from the standpoint as you know who the members are you know mm -hmm. when it's going to happen you know who's eligible but then it's speculation. Out there. Right. And, and so you bring up the word transparent. Again, I don't know what you can or can't say. Could it be more transparent? Could it be in order to satisfy a lot of the frustration that those of us outside of the bubble have? Yeah, fair, fair question. And if, the answer is, of course, it could be transparent if you change the process. Right. Um, it's as transparent as the process can be with the way it's set up right now. And there's some pros and cons to it. And the pros obviously are, are the, the easy ones. And that is that those players don't know all the time that they've been voted on and they've not, they've not been voted in. They had their name up. They've not been voted in. They have, they've had their name up. They've not been voted in. Um, we think it's a very positive thing. Uh, Eric Tuhachek, for instance, is, who was on our committee, right. uh, wrote a real nice piece about a year and a half ago as someone that is a journalist, but at the same time was on the on our uh, committee. And we have journalists on our committee even mm -hmm. now. And so it, it will be interesting to see as they cycle themselves off the committee what they thought of it uh, after they have been through it a number of years. We actually had Eric on the show the day after uh, you announced your group. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was, you know, he was very sympathetic and uh, and was very positive about the process as it exists. I think he'd like to see more transparency, right. but I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Can you tell me what what it's like to pick up the phone and dial the number and tell, you know, someone that they're in the Hockey Hall of Fame? I sure can. And it's... Um... It's an emotional thing for Lanny McDonald and I do it because Lanny's the chairman of the Hall of Fame. I'm the chairman of the selection committee, and we make the calls to all of the uh, people or the families. In the case of the most recent one, uh, Pierre Lacroix was going in, and we got in touch with his wife, Coco, and Pierre just passed away a few, two or three years ago. Um, and, um, and she started crying as soon as Lanny said hello, and then I got on the phone and said, we just want to let you know that um that pierre has been selected wow. uh for for honored membership in the class of 2023 and she started to cry and so if, and of course lanny and i are, are emotional i'm just good lanny just start talking you know because i can't say anything um and and then we talked the year before it was uh it was herb carnegie when herb carnegie was was voted in we talked to his daughter bernice and and the same thing uh they they were crying in the background because it's a it's an emotional thing as you can imagine we talked to mike vernon this year and mike vernon says he thought lanny was calling up to see if he could uh, arrange a golf game because they play golf out in calgary and uh and if tom barasa would ever answer the phone right and we couldn't get tommy but they finally did finally get tom and uh and tom was very gracious but it, it uh it's it's a obviously a, a wonderful thing to make those phone calls yeah. Well, listen, Mike, it was a pleasure. Thank you for uh, all the great games you gave us. Thank you for being still a part of the game when you consider what you do for the, the Hall of Fame. And uh, thanks for being part of uh, the alumni tournament today. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. And all the best to Bob McCown. Hope everything uh, continues to go well. Stay the course. Yep. Welcome back to the McCown podcast. Bob, obviously, still on the IR. And I have been joined by one of my favorite players. You know, Brad May, when I was a kid, I remember watching that you score that goal in Buffalo. That was you, wasn't it? It's actually, I, I love the little, little stutter. <laughs> Listen, John, John's a tad older than I am. But you know what? He was still a kid. He's still a kid because he right. loves fun. Honestly, nothing better than following hockey and loving the yeah, game, right? Absolutely. Brad May and I spent many a night together in uh, at Sportsnet. Everybody thought we hated each other because Brad liked to fight and I didn't like to fight, even though I liked to argue. It would work out pretty well. Well, one of the greatest things, um, and I'd like to say this, and in, in, in Bob's absence for sure, um, who God bless him, I hope he's doing better and doing well. But um, I learned that I learned 
the TV business for you, John, with you. We had the, one of the greatest mentors. And one of the things that you always said was, Let, let's not get personal. We have to create a little conflict, a little division, sure. a little contrast, not even <laughs> conflict, a contrast. And we actually had some great nights together. We did. And learned a lot. And there was a few times that were tenuous because, um, you know, sometimes you say things that you, you, you'd like to take back after the fact. But at the end of the day, be authentic, be yourself. And you taught me that, by, hmm. by the way. So let's, you know, the alumni must be, I would assume, now that you're a member of it and have been for a long time, actually, um, the, the alumni must be an important group for you. Yeah, yeah actually, it's it's amazing. Um, the truth is, the game of hockey uh, was our first love. It loved us back. And at the end of the day, we all we want to do is contribute and be a part of that. Um, the alumni is a safety net in many ways, not only maybe even a springboard for others, because they, they offer a lot of programs for for former members and, and, and part of the group. But um the guys need help, you know, need help, whether it's financially, we, we, all we did was focus on playing hockey. And um, of course, then you get the healthcare and then you got families involved and there's cross border issues. A lot of that stuff's hard to, hard to navigate. And the NHL alumni over the years, they just get better and better, of course, like everything, but um, they do a great job and I'm glad to be a part of it. I've asked this question a lot uh, during the tournament. Um, but when did <laughs> Well, I, I will. You, I'll give you your answer, and then I'm going to get give you uh, my story on it. But when did you start to realize that you couldn't play hockey forever? You, I actually thought um, I didn't know if I could ever play. Number one, so the dream of 19 years. No, but truly, so once you, once Rick Jenneret did Mayday, Mayday. No, but Mayday, I was a player were, at that time. You were done. You no, were like you were. I mean, you thought you could play forever. At that I was time. a hell of a player at that time. <laughs> hold, well, on. hold on, you were. Hold on, yeah. back it up a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, but the tr the truth is, the moment you start taking care of or thinking about what's what's after hockey, you've already got one foot out. And the hardest part about that is you can't. You have to be so ultra focused. But when the transition happens, everybody asks you, why weren't you ready for the transition from being a player to, to being an, an alumni? I met you. <laughs> Are you going to tell this story? No, I want you to tell a story. But I met you, and I knew for a fact that, that I had an opportunity from being around the game and all these wonderful broadcasters and everything else that that might have been part of my next career. We met one night. I want to say it was June 7th, 2007. It was probably around 8 o'clock, <laughs> 8 o'clock Western time, 11 o'clock Eastern. So I'm I guessing. I, yeah, you're probably right. So I, I'm, the Anaheim Ducks have, have won the Stanley Cup. And the Cup's been given out. And and actually, that was the first year, Brad, that um, all the interviews and everything was done on the ice. And the reason for that was is that your dressing room was too small. Yes, to put cameras in and to have lots of people in the media, and so uh, I was with the league at the time. So we did everything and we carpeted on the ice surface. So I'm walking across the ice. You know, the cup's been given out. Life's going on, and I get bear hugged from behind by you, and you said, "Hey, buddy, we'll be working together again next year because I'm going to become a broadcaster." Yeah, you did say that. Yeah, and I and I thought, John, that. You know, who knew, who knew if you had an opportunity to sign another contract? It's so fragile, right? Right. Especially getting older. I was 36 at the time. I got to play a few more seasons, which was pretty amazing. But, um, but the you idea don't think we met that, before that? No, we, I think we did. No, we've met before, but I, because it, weren't you part? Weren't you part of? Weren't you part of that great event uh, in Huntsville? Yes, I was. It was a three-on-three -three competition, but what, I never won it, John. What, so I didn't get to meet you. A, that gave out the trophy. What a we thought. got beat. What a thought. Thank you for that memory. No, but what a thought. Let's play three-on-three three hockey. This was well before the NHL went three-on-three. Three. In, uh, in the middle of summer. In the middle of it summer. It had to be 35 Celsius, yeah. 104 degrees Fahrenheit and the guys, at, at the, the Huntsville Arena. And the guys that won, uh, the, what did they get? the four guys that won, three guys in their goalie, they got all got a Harley-Davidson yeah. or, or a motorcycle. Harley -Davidson. And it was like one of the coolest things to do. Um, we were all training, but you're just prior to maybe being in peak shape. So yeah. you're like worried about where you stack up and um, – it was a great event. I know you ran that. Yeah. I was invited, and it was a ton of fun. We did. Well, actually, we... 1998. 
99. 99. 99. Because okay. I, 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 the only reason I remember that was the same summer as the Pan American Games. And I had been working for the CBC at the time, did the Pan American Games, flew back, came up to Huntsville, and they had redesigned the old Huntsville Arena like a pond. And we created yes. a pond yes, hockey scenario. And here we had, and we had some of the, well, we had, you know. Do you Mike, remember who went? Who won? Well, I noticed, I know Mike Johnson was, he was the here. team. Yep. Curtis Joseph was their goalie. Yep. Mike Johnson, Todd Warner, and Alan McCauley. So I, so all those ex, all the ex, ex Leafs won it. Yeah. They, you know everybody thinks the fix is in because the throw, Leafs, you know. But you throw hitting into that competition, oh. the Maple Leafs. <laughs> probably win the one yeah. <laughs> well we didn't if you recall with well, hey, no, i'm sorry about that no but if you recall there were no boards remember yeah, no, they used amazing. to they used to get we had we had styrofoam snow and and the puck used to get lost yeah. under the styrofoam every once in a while and you know what i was a board player i loved the oh. playing in the corners and along the boards and i lost a few of those pucks john <laughs> <laughs> and that was on my volition oh, yes we actually that, it, it, it was uh we had a great time doing that. That was fun. That's when that's the first time I actually remember meeting you. You know, and you were you were kind of a star, and I was just. I was I, there was just shortly after the May Day goal. I was actually my head was a lot bigger than it is today. And by the way, it's a big head. So, <laughs> so tell us what you're doing now. Um, you know what? I, I'm having just a time in my life. Um, my kids are growing. They're 27 and 24, which is actually amazing. I know this is. To take it to another level, I lost my brother and my sister in the last year, both at 53 years old. The kicker here is Brad's going to live. And I've actually, I'd be probably criticized for living too well, like in the sense that I just have too much fun and I want to chase that. Um, my my brother and sister are, are, are cheering for me to have the most fun possible and carry on their their memories. So that's where I am today. And number one, it's about friends and and, and, and teammates, but, um, and family. So I'm actually probably a little more mature today than I, than I've ever get out of Dodge. I, it's hard to say. <laughs> so I, I, I will tell you though, when the Stanley cup was given out in Las Vegas this year, you were one of the guys I thought of because uh, when the golden Knights came to the national hockey league, you were one of their original broadcasters. Yes. So yes. did you watch this year with a little more interest? I did. And actually, I, I really am so so proud of their organization and their team and the guys, especially the, the, the original, was the six guys? There were six. The There's six only guys. five now. Yep. Riley um, Smith got traded. That's right. That's right. Um, to Pittsburgh. But um, those guys I got to meet. I, I was in Vegas. I was in Vegas for a few seasons. It was a ton of fun. Brad Mays spent many, many nights in Las Vegas. And I had to quit because it was just too much fun, like I just said. But but fun, but also I was a, I was away. I was traveling a lot. It was nice to be home. And um, I'm at that cross-section in my life. It's I'm 51 years old now and just want to make a difference and have a big – honestly, have fun, but impart my experiences on others if, if that's possible. Yeah. And um, I don't necessarily have to do it in the TV, although I do miss it. Yeah, I do miss it. still have passion for the game? I do. And, and if anybody's out there that's listening and watching – um, you can hire me. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll negotiate. But yeah, no, we. I, I'm good at it. I'm actually, I'd be better at it today. You think? Than ever. Because I, I've actually taken a, a break from hockey. And now Take I'm- Take the step back. Not to say that I'm disconnected from it, but I'm actually, I can't, I get, I got caught up trying to protect players because I'm a teammate first. And, yeah. and, and, and what we're doing, when I say that, we're not in the business to upset anybody, but we're just, we're supposed to illustrate what we just saw. Yeah. And- I believe I could do it better today. Yeah. Okay, two quick questions. Was that a good Actually, interview? We're not done yet. We're not oh, done yet. Okay. We're not done. No, no, interview for the guy that was watching. Yeah. No. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Uh, send a resume. Um, favorite coach? Favorite coach is Ted Nolan. Um, not even a hesitation. One of the one, most wonderful people I've ever met in hockey, and he made a big difference in my life um, in Buffalo. And does that mean the odds your favorite building? It would be because it's most nostalgic. I, I, I started at, at the Buffalo Auditorium, although Boston Garden, Montreal Forum, all, all the original six buildings yeah. are incredibly special. Yeah. And favorite broadcast partner? John Shan. Oh, yes. Good answer. John Shan. All right. And we will not disagree on that. Oh, that's the first time. <laughs> Brad May, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you know what? The NHL alumni does, does an amazing job for us, but not only that, I want to say they've donated millions and millions of dollars and equipment and trying to raise the profile, but also the opportunity for young kids and organizations 
if you're one of those, reach out to the NHL alumni. Um, I'm sure there's somebody in your area that can help. Beautiful. That was well done. Thanks to Chris, Rich, Brad, and Mike for their time on the golf course, by the way. Uh, as we I, I tried to dig deep into their careers, what the alumni means to them. You know, the one thing that always comes through in these scenarios with players in the NHL or former players in the NHL is their love of the game still. They still have a passion. Uh, they still enjoy the game. They still enjoy their teammates. And I, I, would, I would tell you, having been around the game for as long as I have, uh, I, I almost think that the camaraderie that players have with their teammates is almost more important than winning or losing uh, and it's it's part of the process where you say if you if you were to miss something if you were to miss something about the game what would you miss the most and and it's you know it's not the game on the ice as competitive as these guys are and trust me these guys are competitive they're competitive on the golf course they're competitive everywhere they play uh, but it's the camaraderie it's the time in the dressing room it's the time on the road, on the charter. Uh, it, it's that, you know, for want of a better word, it's the fraternity that is being an NHL player. And when you see them at, a, at an event like the alumni trying to give back to assist other NHL alumni, it, it's really kind of cool to see what these guys do and how they do it. Um, they love the game. Uh, they're much more conversational as retired players than they were ever as players. And it's always great to sit down and, and talk to them. So thank you to those four guys for contributing to the show today. Tomorrow on the broadcast, we talk about football uh, both ways. We'll talk about the Women's World Cup with Andy Petrillo. And we will talk NFL football. It's not that far away. Camps are starting soon, and there's still some storylines. So it's the double dose of football tomorrow. The world game and the American game. Thanks for listening. John Shannon, the McCowan Podcast. Talk to you tomorrow.